Welcome, everybody. There we are. I knew I wasn't on. Glad to see you guys here today. And I just want to emphasize something John said. If this is your very first time here, man, welcome. We're glad you're here. And if you're watching online right now, we're glad you're, you're watching. Many people do. And if you're checking out uh, our church, maybe like this where maybe God wants you to be, you could not be at a better time to figure that out because of what we're talking about this month. I'm going to talk about it more in a minute. But first, let me just uh, tell you this. To this afternoon, we are having our all-church picnic, and it's an awesome time. And if you haven't registered yet, please go ahead and register and just plan on being there. It's going to be across the street from 4 to 7, and we're going to have the pool and the putt-putt, and we're going to have multiple inflatables over there, and the weather's going to be great. Have you checked the forecast? Well, you haven't, so let me just tell you, it's going to be great. The weather's going to be complying with us. It's just going to be a great time, and we're going to have lots and lots of food. So you got to come for the food anyway, from 4 to 7. But I want you to know, we're going to have people over there as early as 2. So if you want to come early, just hang out, let your kids swim, whatever. It starts at 2, but, but the real picnic starts 4 to 7. We'd love for you to be there. I think this one's going to be one for the ages. A couple things. Um, there's not enough seats under the pavilion for our entire church family, so I'd encourage you to bring a lawn chair um, to have place sit. Bring a blanket. There's lots of trees over there. Many people find a shade tree and, and sit over there. But listen, spread out and just enjoy the fellowship of the church. It's just one of the highlights every year and that is today. Also, when you came in today, you probably noticed the atrium was a little lively, wasn't it? And that is because um, we are doing life group signups this weekend and next weekend. And I hope that all of you will take time to go out there and see about joining a life group. I'm happy to tell you we have 20 life groups that are open right now. Many of them are brand new. Some of them are existing life groups that had more space to take people in. And I hope that you'll find one. That's been what we've been praying for for quite some time to fill up all of these life groups. So you just head on out of there after church is over and just walk around the tables and start talking to the leaders. There's two leaders at every table. And if, and if it's a match, if it's like, yeah, this feels like my kind of people and it's on the night that I can meet, then just take out your smartphone, scan the QR code, take a little simple sign up, boom, and you're in. It's that easy. Now, does it get any easier than that? It does not get any easier than that. So, but that, those, uh, those life groups will all kick off the week of September 11th, which is the same week that we're going to be starting our new series through the book of Exodus. So, man, just be looking forward to that. Start reading the book of Exodus. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Well, hey, as I mentioned a moment ago, as a church family, we are talking about our mission and our vision. This whole month we've been talking about it, and that's why I said if you're looking for a church, this is the series you'll want to pay attention to. And if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, go back and listen to those sermons because I believe these sermons together will give you all the information you need to make an informed, prayerful decision as to whether God is going to have you at this church or not. Because it very much talks about the things that we are determined to do as a church. That's our mission. And how we're going to go about doing it, that is our vision. Can I ask you a question? How many of you have seen the movie Saving Private Ryan? I'm making an assumption that it's a, it's a familiar movie. Yes, many of you have seen it. In that movie starring Tom Hanks, there is, well, there's, let's be honest, there's a lot of very powerful emotional moments in that movie. But there is one that kind of stands out to me above the rest. It's about halfway through the movie. The, the context of the movie is Tom Hanks is leading a small group of soldiers behind enemy lines because they've been tasked to go find a guy by the name of James Francis Ryan, Private Ryan. You see, Ryan had three brothers that had been killed in combat, and the War Department had just learned that their mother was going to find out on the same 
same day that three of her four sons had died, and they were determined that this mother was not going to lose all of her sons in this war. And so they sent these guys behind enemy lines to find Private Ryan and bring him back home to his mother. And about halfway through the movie, things began to really unravel. The, the Tom Hanks group had just lost one of their guys in battle, and they start to turn on each other. They start to fight with each other. One threatens to walk away all together and be a part of none of this. And that is when Tom Hanks' character steps into the middle of all this fighting, and he brings them back together when he says this. He said, Ryan, man, I don't know anything about Ryan. I don't care. The man means nothing to me, he's just a name. But if finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well then, that's my mission. It was a turning point in the movie because up to that point, none of the guys behind enemy lines really understood why they were out there risking their lives to find this one soldier. But for Tom Hanks' character, his mission was very clear, which was to get back home to his wife. And if doing this mission helps me get back home to my wife, well, you know what, then that's my mission and that's why I'm doing it. And it was with that new sense of mission, these guys forged ahead to go find Private Ryan. Now that's just a movie, but in my mind anyway, it illustrates the need for a very clear mission, a very clear sense of mission. That thing that we are determined to do, it drives everything that we're about and it is that thing that brings the whole church together around in unity. That is our mission. So here's what I want you to do. I've asked you to memorize our mission statement as a church and let me see how well we are doing. All right, you ready? Let's say it together. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. And it wasn't even behind me. That was really good. Give yourself a hand. I am impressed. No cheat sheet today, but now here it is. Let's read it all together. We exist to lead all people to new life in Christ. There we go. We love that mission. It's very much reflective of Jesus' final words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Do you remember what he said? Jesus came to them, Matthew 28, and he said, go and make disciples. That is the imperative, to make these disciples. That's the command. So he said, all authority under heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm going to be with you always to the very end of the age. We call that the Great Commission. And our mission is very much reflective of Jesus' Great Commission. Lead all people to new life in Christ. You know what that involves? It involves evangelism. It involves going. It involves being available. It involves sharing the good news. It involves baptizing. It involves guiding them to this new life in Christ by teaching them to obey God's word. Disciple them so they become more and more like Jesus every single day. Our mission is all about winning people to Christ and helping them become more like Christ. That is what we are determined to do. Now, how are we going to do it? Well, that's what the bulk of this series has been around. It's been about the how, our vision. Here's how we're going to accomplish our mission. And I said, uh, if you've been with us in this series, that it has our mission is broken down into five bullet points. Not because we set out to make five bullet points of our vision, but as we prayed through and worked on this, it just unfolded in five bullet points. Do you remember the first one? How are we going to fulfill our mission? 
Life groups, Bible studies, targeted ministry opportunities for all ages are the vehicles for discipleship and care. Is that the only way that you can grow and become like Christ? Well, of course not. But that is how we as a church are going to focus our attention and our energy into helping our church become more like Jesus. We're going to have incredible life groups. We're going to have Bible studies. We're going to encourage you to be in God's word, whether it's a Bible study that we organize or one you create yourself. And and, and we're going to have targeted ministries. Man, this is going to help our church grow. How else are we going to do it? What's the second point? We're going to do that through a multi-site strategy. We are in the process of building a second campus. A little over a year from now, we're going to be operating two campuses, one church family meeting in two locations. And let me tell you, it is going to be an incredible thing. We're going to have access to weekend worship more than ever, daily Christian community more accessible in our physical and digital world. That is a strategy that we are employing to help us lead all people to new life in Christ. How else? We're going to have excellent worship services with biblical preaching. I'm talking about what we're doing right now. We want it to be the best it can can be because it matters to God. It should matter to us. It definitely matters to those we're trying to reach. And these times of worship are going to be filled with biblical preaching, all about the Bible. We're not going to change the Word of God to make people feel comfortable. We're we're not going to change what God's clearly written Word says. It can speak for itself. We are going to be a biblical church. Now, I want to unpack the fourth bullet point for you in this vision, and it is this. How are we going to accomplish our mission? Through strategic global, regional, and local ministry partners to maximize evangelistic effectiveness and church family involvement through relationships, prayer, and generosity. Now, like I've done the last few weeks, I want you to take just a couple quiet moments, and I would like for you to read through that two or three times and just absorb it, because it's a lot. There's a couple words in there that I'd like to to highlight, not because you don't know what they mean, but I just want to say a few extra words about them. The first word is strategic. Strategic comes from a family of words of strategy. We know what these things mean, but I want to emphasize that when we say strategic, we're talking about something that has been carefully designed, carefully planned out to serve a very specific purpose. It's something that's very intentional, it's very on purpose, it's thought through. That's what we mean by strategic. Another word I wanna highlight for you is global. What do we mean by global? We're talking about anywhere in the world, north, south, east, to west, somewhere on this planet is what we mean global. Regional, for us, when we say regional, we mean Arkansas. Arkansas. Now, because we are so close to Missouri and Oklahoma, we will even claim a little bit of Missouri and Oklahoma in that region. Now, some of you laugh because what do we want with them? Okay, we got to work on our faith a little bit. Um, and we're not talking about sports. If we were talking about football, we're like, forget them. But anyway, we're, we're, we're talking about ministry. So when we say regional, we mean Arkansas. And we're talking a little bit of Missouri and a little bit of Oklahoma. Local is another word. When we say local, we mean Bella Vista and Northwest Arkansas. That's what our local means. Now, one more thing I want to say about one of the words, ministry partnerships. What exactly do you mean by ministry partnerships? Well, partnership is a relationship between two individuals or two organizations who come together to work in harmony with one another because there is a shared vision. Partnership is when you have two organizations 
that agree that we are better together than we are apart, that we can do more together than we could ever do individually. Partnerships. And you know, if you look at the Bible closely, there's a lot of examples of partnership. In fact, if you look through the New Testament, read through it, rarely do you see anybody that's just going about their Christian life all by themselves. There is really no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. We're all about partnerships. You know what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9? It says, two are better than one. It's biblical. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Friends, there is a biblical precedent for partnership because two is better than one. The Apostle Paul, who wrote most, most of the New Testament, he talked often about the partnerships. He could not do what we read about him doing without people coming alongside of him in great partnership. We read about there were individuals that sacrificed and gave up their time and, and, and their safety and they traveled with Paul. And he talks often about how much they mean to him in the travels. There was the church that would give financially. He makes it really obvious. Your gifts are fueling this along. There were many people that partnered with him in a spiritual way. They prayed for him. And in, in, the, in the book of Philippians, he's writing to the church there, the Christians in Philippi. And this is what he says about the very thing I'm talking about. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3. He says, I thank God every time I remember you. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He wasn't alone. He, he had people. Of course, I think the greatest partnership you read about anywhere in the scriptures is our partnership with God. We're not going about this life alone either. No, 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 no. The Lord is right there with us. He, he, the Bible even speaks about in terms of connectivity and partnership and what the Lord does through each of us. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, the Lord is working through you. You're not alone in this. You have a partner, the best partner on, on the world, the whole world. And that's the Lord. Jesus said this to his disciples, and it applies to us the same way. It's John chapter 15, verse 4. He says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me tell you something, friends. Partnership is a good thing. And the church has been invested in partnerships from its earliest of days. And our greatest partner is our Heavenly Father. So our mission as a church, the thing that we are determined to do is to lead all people to new life in Christ. And to help us fulfill this mission, we have cultivated some very strategic partnerships. Partners who are one in spirit and one in mind. Partners who are kingdom-driven, great commission-focused, who also desire to see all people come to new life in Christ. We have global partners, we have regional partners, and we have local partners who do this. Now, some of our global partners, these are all on our website, and you can go learn more about each one of them, but let me just briefly say who they are. We have like Mid-India Christian Mission. North Burma Christian Mission. Haitian Christian Mission. These are places around the world. Ninos to Mexico, 
Hannah Tynes with Overland Mission. She's the young lady that uh, you saw in the video today where she was thanking the church for your partnership and, and how we've just taken her in. That's how she feels. That's this partnership that enables her to continue to do the work that she does. World Gospel Outreach down in Honduras. Love, Faith, Hope Ministries in Venezuela. Cody Melville, who works for YWAM, stands for Youth with a Mission. Pioneer Bible Translators, which is an organization that uh, translates the Bible into languages that don't have the Bible yet. Credible ministry all over the world. TCM International Institute, it trains pastors and leaders to lead churches overseas. These are our global partners that we have strategically come alongside with, with a shared mission to reach the lost. Some of our regional partners are these, Arm Prison Outreach. Just up the road, up in Joplin, Missouri, Arm is a prison ministry. They're working with prisoners. They have many, many years, over 50 years of inside prisons and, and leading people to Christ and baptizing them. Another regional partner is Good News Productions International, home base right up in Joplin, Missouri. They are an organization that works with hundreds and hundreds of missionaries all around the world, providing resources and technology and all the things they need to do their work. They are an incredible ministry and they, they, we partner with them. Christ and Youth is another one of our regional partners. That's CIY, you've ever heard of that. They specifically focus on, on junior high and high school students. And every year, they reach hundreds of thousands of students. And our church has benefited greatly from this partnership. Our kids went to CIY this summer. And it was a life-changing experience for, for many of them. There are young adults right now in Bible college focused on ministry because they came to Christ and were called into ministry through a CIY ministry. Arkansas Church Planning Network, or we call it ACPN, is a collection of churches here in Arkansas that have banded together to launch new churches. And in the last few years, our church has been a part of helping launch eight churches in Arkansas, eight Christian churches like New Life Christian Church in the state of Arkansas. Cookson Hills Christian School, just across the border over in Oklahoma, which is a Christian school and Christian home for kids that are just need help. They're in a struggling situation, and it's beneficial for them to be in a more structured environment where their home life has got some issues, and, and they've been doing great work for many years. And uh, they live there at Cookson Hills, and they go to school at Cookson Hills, and it's changing lives. By the way, I just got a, a message from Cookson Hills the other day that they are in desperate need of some house parents. House parents, people that will move over to Oklahoma, live in one of the houses on their campus, and basically parent a group of kids. And it's all about giving your life to these kids for the name of Jesus. So I'm going to send this request on to you. If any of you in here wants to radically change your life and take a step of faith and leave all the safety and security that you know today behind and give your life to a group of kids for Jesus, God may be calling you to be a house parent at Cookson Hills. I know they would love to talk to you. So Cooks and Hills, and we have another regional partner called Rafa House, and they're home base right out of Joplin, Missouri, and they are involved with ministry that rescues girls from sex trafficking rings around the world and helps bring them to, to know Christ and help them get on their feet and have a healthy, healed life. These are regional partners, kingdom-minded, evangelistically focused ministries, doing things that we can't do, but they need partners, and we need partners with them to accomplish our mission. We have a handful of local partners. In fact, these local partners is an area we're trying to grow and develop even more. Christ on Campus 
Found the University of Arkansas, Christian Campus House that we partnered with. Loving Choices, which is a pro-life pregnancy center, Christian Pregnancy Center here in Northwest Arkansas. We've partnered with them so they can continue to, to minister to, to, to new moms and expecting mothers. Nicole's House is another one of our, our local partners. It's a transitional home for women that are overcoming and winning against addiction. And this ministry helps them get back on their feet and established so they can move forward a healed and healthy life. New Heights for Kids, which is a Christian school. I'm, all these local partners we work closely with. And most specifically, these partners all work with what we call here at New Life our missions team. And our missions team is a grouping of people from our church family here at New Life who is responsible for staying in personal contact with every one of our partners, whether it be global, regional, or local. It's their responsibility, and they take it very seriously, to maintain a very healthy relationship and that conduit of communication between our church family and their ministry. And they strive to help our church family uh, be communicated with at all levels to get involved in this partnership, whether it be through prayer, through financial, or through personal involvement. And I'm happy to share with you that under the oversight of our missions team and through the generosity of our church family, we have been able to come alongside these ministries and be a very good financial partner for them, which helps fuel their ministries and helps us in the shared mission of leading all people to new life in Christ. And when I say financially, I'll just tell you, um, in 2022, by the end of this year, our church family alone will have given somewhere between $375,000 and $400,000 away to fuel these missions. Now that is awesome. That is really awesome. You know, I applaud you for this. Yeah. So when we say up here that a portion of what you give goes to some of our ministry partners, this is what we're talking about. We show you these videos. We try to keep you informed of the work that's happening around the world, that what you give, your generosity, and your giving back to God, what he has blessed you with, is absolutely changing lives. And you will meet people in heaven who you never met here on earth that are there because you chose to pray and partner and be a generous Christian. Now that is an awesome thing, isn't it? It really is. Jesus said what? Go and make disciples. It's the last thing he told them. If you were to go to the book of Acts chapter one, we get a little bit more information about everything that Jesus told the disciples right before he ascended into heaven. We also find out that Jesus told his disciples that, hey, I'm gonna go away, but I need you to go into Jerusalem and I need you to wait there until you get the gift from my father. Now, if you're familiar with the first chapter of Acts, we know that that gift was what? It was the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said something very specific to them. He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you're gonna do something. Do you remember what it was? Acts chapter one, verse eight, let's read it together. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptize and teach. The Holy Spirit is gonna come on you. It's gonna equip you to do things you can't do just yet, but you're gonna be my witnesses. It's gonna start in Jerusalem and then it's gonna expand to Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. 
We know that on the day the Holy Spirit came, the disciples went out. We've studied this passage even in this series. They went out and began to preach and 3,000 people repented of their sins and were baptized and the church was started on that day. If you read the first seven chapters of Acts, all this stuff that happens in Jerusalem, we read about how, how they met in one another's homes. Signs and wonders were a, a happening in the church here in Jerusalem. They were also meeting publicly in Solomon's colonnade. Um, we know the disciples got arrested and then released. They were uh, commanded, don't you ever talk about Jesus again? And the disciples said, fooey on you. We can't help to talk about what we've seen and heard. We're Jesus's witnesses. We can't stop. All of this happened in the first seven chapters of the book of Acts in Jerusalem. And then Jesus said what? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. So if you look at this map, if you can see it from your seat, Jesus tells them the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you and you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem. But then it's gonna expand. It's gonna expand down here in Judea, this, uh, this area, southern area of, of, of Israel. It's gonna expand north into Samaria. That's what he said. Now, in Acts chapter eight, we know the catalyst for that expansion was persecution. They cracked down on the church and, and a lot of people fled. And when they fled, they took the gospel with them and it started to expand. Now, what's really interesting about as it started to expand and they got outside of Jerusalem, they were introduced to a lot of non-Jewish people. And they started to become Christians too. First the Samaritans, then the Gentiles, and it began to grow. And then what else did, did Jesus say? You're gonna start in Jerusalem, it's going to expand to Judea and Samaria, and then where? To the ends of the earth, all around the world. So at the very beginning, Jesus sets this tone that this isn't going to stay contained. This thing is going to grow, and it's going to spread. What does Jesus' prediction about witnessing in Jerusalem, and then Judea, and then Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, what does that tell us today? It tells us very clearly that Jesus is for everybody. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, his saving power, his forgiveness, his grace, uh, it's, it's made available to everyone. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on or where you currently live. His grace is for everyone. It doesn't matter what color of your skin doesn't matter what tone in your dialect. It doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. It doesn't matter what language. None of that stuff matters. Jesus is for everyone. Make disciples. Go to the ends of the earth and make these disciples. Friends, it is still the heart cry of evangelism today. And that's our heart cry. That's, our, that's what we're determined to do, to lead all people to new life in Christ. Our desire to do that is very much patterned after Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The only difference is our starting point is not Jerusalem. Our starting point is Bella Vista. So think about it like a target. If the bullseye is Bella Vista... And we're going to follow the pattern of, of Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You have Bella Vista, that is our, our local, you know, northwest Arkansas. And then where do we go? Our regional, Arkansas. And Oklahoma and Missouri, a little bit. And then to the ends of the earth. Local, regional, global. This shared 
vision to reach the world for Jesus. So coming back to our fourth bullet point of vision, let's read it again together with this context. How are we gonna accomplish our mission? Through strategic, it's a very on purpose intentional, okay? Strategic global, regional, and local ministry partnerships to maximize our evangelistic effectiveness and church family involvement through relationships, prayer, and generosity. Friends, I wanna say something that I hope is obvious to everybody, but every last one of us is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. We have the responsibility individually, every last one of us, to share the good news of Jesus Christ to whomever and whenever the opportunity arises. But the reality is this, not every one of us in this room can go global. Not every one of us can personally go to Haiti or India or many of the places in the world that need Christ. That's why we need partners. Not all of us have the skills or the equipping or the calling to take the gospel to places that others are called and equipped and skilled to do. Not all of us have the exact same backgrounds or have experienced the same level of hardships that often open doors to specific ministry endeavors like others can. But what we can do is we can build these supportive, strategic relationships with those who can. We can pray. We can give generously. Evangelism in the book of Acts was fueled by the generosity of the church. Do you realize that? Evangelism in the New Testament was absolutely fueled by the generosity of Christians. And the same remains true to this day. So we are determined to lead all people to new life in Christ. We will share Christ personally. We will outreach to anyone, anywhere, whenever it's possible. We will invite whoever will come to church so that they can be in an environment and see passionate worshipers and God can get a hold of their heart. We will do what we know how to do to the best of our ability to lead all people to new life in Christ. But beyond that, we're gonna continue to build strategic, global, regional, and local ministry partners so that we can maximize our evangelistic effectiveness. And through those relationships, we're gonna involve our church family, prayer, generosity, all of it. So I hope you're starting to get the picture. As you look at these now four out of the five bullet points of our vision, I hope you're starting to understand this is what makes our church tick. This is how things are organized and, and, and what we are determined to do. And I hope as you hear it packaged like this, it fires you up a little bit. It's like, I, I fully understand what our mission is and how we're gonna try to do it. And, and quite honestly, maybe what your role and the role God wants you to play in this endeavor. At the end of the day though, every one of us is responsible for making disciples. We have all called, if you will, to be missionaries to our, to our friends and family who are lost. And I want you to never take your eyes off of this reality. I'm gonna end with this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17 and following, it just says it about as clear as anywhere in the Bible. It says, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. And we should all say amen, praise God for that. The old is gone and the new is here. If you're in Christ, you've been transformed, you've been converted, something's different. That old you is gone, the new you has emerged. And all of this is from God, it says in verse 18, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, 
What does that mean exactly? Who reconciles? So there's a big sin problem. The old you, was, was the, that was the problem. But we have been brought into a new relationship with God, one where our sin problem has been dealt with through Jesus Christ. And the Bible calls that reconciliation. God and man coming back together in harmony. So, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, what we have experienced, we now have that drive and, and, and desire to go and help other people have it. That God was reconciling himself to the world, to himself in Christ, not counting men's or people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Okay, so we, we, we've got something to do now. We've got something to share. We have been saved, and we want you to be saved. It's this ministry and message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, verse 20, as though God were making his appeal through us. How, what's our understanding of an ambassador today? An ambassador is someone who speaks for the president, or an ambassador is somebody who speaks for the king. In other words, they will go and speak on behalf. They will say the words of the king. And we are Christ's ambassadors. He is the king, and we are speaking for him when we are sharing this, this ministry of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's co-workers, you see that? We're partners with God in this. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. So friends, we are determined to lead all people to new life in Christ. We're focused in how we feel God's leading us to do that. And we're excited about these partnerships we have together in unity. Friends, our hope is, is we start making inroads in Bella Vista that it be known that there is still a stronghold for Christ in Arkansas. And it's in Bella Vista. And in this place, we're gonna get, gain ground for the kingdom and stop giving up ground to our enemy. New life in Christ. I hope you're inspired by it. I hope you are, are on board with this. I hope it unifies us around this singular mission. Let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you that we can be focused on your word today. I thank you that your word guides us and shapes us and molds us in the kind of people you would want us to be. And Lord, we just declare to you that right here in Bella Vista among this church family, we will be and do whatever it is you want us to do. Lord, we want to be just your humble servants, Lord. That, that Lord, whatever you deem for us, we will do. Lord, my prayer and our prayer together is that we see many, many people who right now don't know you as their personal Lord and Savior. Lord, they are not reconciled to you right now. I pray, Lord, that through this church family, through this desire that all people come to know you, that, Lord, those people will be reconciled to you. And that, Lord, we will be a Christian community that changes the landscape of the world around us. Lord, I thank you for our partners. I pray you bless them, Lord, as they, many of them are going into very dangerous places and I pray for their protection. But Lord, we ask for your help. 
Most importantly, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who you sent to die on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we could be reconciled to you. We know, Lord, that it was only through Jesus Christ that any of us are saved. And Lord, we know it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that any of us can do anything you ever want us to do. So we thank you, Lord, for your salvation. We thank you for your spirit. May it burn hot in our lives and through this church family. In Jesus' name, amen.